God. Sing how great. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great.
There's no place I would rather be than hearing your love sing set fire. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Like, 
can't contain God's love, um, his love for us, and um, just how, what a simple song and what a simple prayer for us to have, you know, for God to set a flame in us that we can't even control, that we just want to pour out. that's what we want to do. We want to pour out your spirit to other people. We don't want to control your love. We want to pour out your love, God. So just fill us up. Fill us up with that uncontrollable flame, God. set a fire one more time. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more God, I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Feel free to uh, take a seat. Um, it's great when you leave worship time and you have like a song stuck in your head for like the whole rest of the day and it's a good song, you know? It's like so annoying to have a bad song stuck in your head all day, so I'm sure probably some of you will be going on Google now and checking out that song and, or at least checking it out during the week or trying to see where you can find the internet and playing at work, so um, thanks again for Jimmy and Pat uh, making the track down here to be with us. Alrighty, um, let's see, as you came in, did everybody grab a bulletin? Because um, you will need uh, one of those. Um, if you didn't, feel free to grab one during our like, intro time to say hi to somebody. So um, your question is to say to somebody, um, when was the last time that you used road rage? When was the last time that you used road rage? And you can't lie about it either. Alrighty, so go ahead, ask them that, say hi, and then ask them that question, we'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll talk.
about your neighbor in two seconds, and you probably judged them, so you should probably repent since you're here this morning. Nah, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> watch out, Joanne's in the neighborhood. Uh, so if you take a look uh, in your bulletins, oh, and one thing that I uh, wanted to let you guys know and inform you of is that uh, uh, George Marlock ended up uh, passing away um, this past week. So if you could keep him and his family in your prayers, um, that would be great, and I know they would appreciate it. Um, if you're interested as far as maybe attending the funeral, uh, which would be on Friday, um, contact me and I'll, I'll uh, get you the details. But keep him and his, your, uh, him and his family in your prayers. Um, Okay, so if you take a look in your bulletin, it says, get the juices flowing for this morning. Does everybody have pens? You might need pens, too, in case you want to write something down or anything. We'll share. Or you can uh, hijack a pencil that's probably in the pew right there with you. Um, all right, so here's where we are headed. You can kind of get an idea, an idea based on the question that we asked. Uh, plus, you see the big PowerPoint thing on the wall there. But to get the juices flowing for this morning... Do you have road rage? Right? These are things like just to ask yourself, just to kind of get the mind going, let you know kind of where we're headed and how things are going. So do you have road rage? Have you ever acted angrily in a spontaneous way that was totally ridiculous? Right? Can you think in the back of your head like, geez, I just exploded. Uh, people saw that. That was like really dumb. Why did I do that? Um, do you tend to stuff your feelings of frustration and anger? Uh, sometimes uh, people just want to be like people pleasers and don't really tell other people when they're getting angry and frustrated and they think that maybe it's a better thing if I just stuff them. So maybe that's you, maybe it's not. Um, and then the bonus. Have you ever taken part in a situation to provoke someone to anger as a joke? Right? Have you ever done that as a joke? Right? And people make millions of dollars doing this. Okay, you have shows uh, that are on TV, all kinds of hidden camera shows. Ones that are like, uh, you know, boiling point. You have prank phone call shows. Um, you have um, all of these shows are really like people are just trying to bring someone, right, to that edge. How can I bring them to that edge? And of course, it's really entertaining when somebody has a very short fuse and they can't really handle it and they just explode. And then, of course, that gets the good ratings. Everybody wants to watch that. And uh, I would assume that probably a good, self-controlled, cautious Christian probably wouldn't make for very much ratings. Right? They probably wouldn't be very exciting um, at all. Um, I'm going to show you a clip that will kind of get us started headed in this direction because I think that we're probably all familiar with irritations, um, frustration, and anger level. Like we, we have all experienced you know, being frustrated, maybe sitting on it for a little while, maybe having a little bitterness work up, then a little bit of resentment sets in. And then before you know it, you're at some point you didn't know and the only way you come to find that out is when something little happens and then you just explode. You just explode. So, in this clip, before we play it, um, I'll give you a backdrop. It's, it's from a, a TV show. And um, in this particular clip, um, there's somebody uh, that works in this office that is kind of quirky, sort of weird, kind of strange. And uh, he's pretty good uh, musically. And so what he did is went home one night, he um, recorded himself singing, himself playing like a harmonica, himself playing the guitar, and on his computer he kind of like dubbed all this stuff together and created a song. And I, I don't even remember what the song is, I remember I guess when we see the clip. But he made a song. And so then what he did is he recorded this song and made it play as a ringtone on his phone. And of course, when he gets to work, he wants to show everybody in the office about his ringtone. So he's constantly making his phone go off. Now there's a couple people in the office that 
um, like to provoke, like to button push, like to irritate. And they have a hard time understanding where the line is. Maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you are like that. I don't know. Um, but they're there in the office and they realize, hey, um, let's take his phone. Let's snag it. Let's hide it. We'll call it. And then he'll just get really mad when he can't find it. You know, because it'll be going off. We'll hear the ringtone and he'll be really upset. And so here's the clip. We'll watch that. Here's a little news flash. It's not funny. In fact, it's pretty freaking unfunny. That was an overreaction. Gonna hit the break room. Does anybody want anything? Right, so that's a classic clip, right, where they kind of they push somebody uh, over the edge, and you can see it right happening. I and mean, you could hear the the uh, ringtone in the background, um, "Rocking in the Treehouse," I think, is what was playing in the background there. And he was on the phone calling. And as soon as he saw him overreact, right, he clicked it and hung up, and he exploded and he blasted through the wall, um, which reminds me of an article um, that I uh, that I came across, which I wanted to share with you guys. It was, um, and I, I'll put the. Uh, I'll show it to you up here. There's an article in uh, NPR, believe it or not, um, and it says, does getting angry make you angrier? So let me give you a little bit of highlights. Basically, the premise of the article is, basically, if you get really angry and mad, um, is it good just to, like, explode and just, like, vent that and get that out, blow things up, uh, blast through stuff, and just kind of let it go? And they did some research on it. Um, so let's see, hear what it says. It says, uh, but should angry people act out how they feel? The popular idea is that venting your anger helps get rid of it. There's even a woman in San Diego who makes money helping people do that. But now psychologists are saying that venting causes more harm than good. So this lady started this business where people can come there and kind of vent. It says, today, about 200 customers a week carry their anger to Sarah's Smash Shack. That's what it's called, Sarah's Smash Shack. In downtown San Diego. For around $25 a head, um, she provides dishware, protective gear, and the felt tip pens that people use to write on the plates, then they violently fling at the walls. All right, so she designed this little business where people can come there and just kind of explode. It says, the idea that it's important and healthy to vent your anger in some way has been around for a long time. Aristotle believed it. Freud was also a fan. Uh, but in the U.S., the idea only really exploded in the late 60s and 70s. It says, but now the pendulum has swung. Psychology professor Jeffrey Lohr of the University of Arkansas says that decades of research on carthotic anger, the theory that actively expressing your anger can reduce or relieve the feeling, has produced a clear conclusion. So obviously, what is that conclusion? What did they find? It says, punching pillows and breaking dishes doesn't reduce subsequent anger expression. And that, he says, the research shows clearly. It says, in fact... The research very clearly shows the opposite is, is true. The more you get angry, the angrier you get. And so researchers across the nation are now in a campaign to recast our view of anger expression. And he says that, um, now to be clear, Lore, who did like the study, who did this, um, uh, who's uh, talking about this, Lore isn't pro-repression. Like he's not a big fan of like repressing all of it. Repression, he says, can also be bad for you. The key is to speak out your anger without getting emotional about it. 
basically we're supposed to, to not, not to yell at anyone anymore. In fact, Lore claims the immediate sense of release we get after screaming or breaking plates is actually just an illusion. <laughs> and so they asked the lady who owns this smash shack, hey, listen, what do you think of this study? What do you make? You know, because they did a study about what you're actually doing, how you're making a living. What do you think about it? So she says, I've never seen someone come in angry, go in the room, smash stuff, and come out angrier. I think that cathartic anger, at least what I'm saying at the smash shack, is absolutely a positive thing. And she says her business has been growing over the past year, and despite the economy, is growing still. So, anyways, a pretty interesting article as fact as venting anger, how to approach it, um, what do we think about it? Um, and anger is something, like I said, we can all certainly relate to, and it's been around for a long time because our emotions have been around for a long time. And uh, D.L. Moody, way back in the 1800s, um, wrote about um, anger, and he calls it temper back then. Temper was like the popular word. We don't really say temper too much, but he said temper. Uh, and it was like a focus, in fact, in one of the chapters in this book that he was writing as far as people like, you know, losing their temper, having a temper. And he said that, it may be made a great power for good all through my life and help me, or it may become my greatest enemy from within and rob me of power. The current in some rivers is so strong so as to make them useless for navigation. Right, and so he says it's actually a great power for good through life that could help or be his greatest enemy. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit about today. The title of the message is um, Short Fuse, uh, which I think I have up here. If we go back, uh, it was up there at some point. Right, but Short Fuse was up there. So and it's in your bulletin too. Short Fuse, um, because we're going to step on the scene here. We're still in Matthew 5 where Jesus is on the hill talking to everybody. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, the famous Sermon on the Mount. And so we pick up where he starts talking about anger and murder and how this all relates. Because certainly us as Christians, we all understand how to better do this. And so we're going to look at some questions of like, is it okay to get angry? Is, should we not get angry? How far is too far? When does it actually become a sin? Um, if it even is a sin. So we'll look at a bunch of different things surrounding this. Um, so if you have your Bible... Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be in verse 21. And what we'll do is I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop. Right? Again, this is the Sermon on the Mount where basically this is like the way you're supposed to do Christianity. Jesus is sharing with them, this is how you do Christianity. Um, this is how God, this is how Jesus actually wants us to live out. This is it right here. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. Um, there are some parallel passages in Luke where it's not necessarily the same one where it's on a hill. It says he's kind of in a flat area, but he's talking about the same things. And really the point of everything, of all that we're talking about here, is the posture of the heart. So you remember the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses where he was on Sinai and he gave it to him. Um, a lot of those things, they tried to keep that letter of the law and not do them. But now you have this young carpenter guy coming along with no real formal training like a lot of these rabbis and religious leaders did have. And he's coming along and saying, listen, in fact, the law means more than what you're telling everybody. And so that's when he started off with those beatitudes, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those, are they that mourn, right? And then all those different things. And then last week we talked about um, how Jesus said, listen, um, I am actually the one that fulfills the law so I can tell you about it. And we closed up last week um, 
by saying that Jesus said to them that, listen, unless you're more righteous than the Pharisees, you can't get into heaven. So unless you're more righteous than these people that are out there doing these things, you can't get into heaven. So that's like for us saying, listen, unless you're more righteous than like Mother Teresa, uh, you're probably not going to get up. Right? <laughs> and I understand that's not a perfect model because Mother Teresa wasn't perfect, but boy, was she pretty good. Right? Um, and so most people, that's like, geez, I could never be like that. I could never just give my life in 110% service to just everyone all the time. The only one that has really done it perfectly, right, would be Jesus. And so that's what we're supposed to believe in, have faith in, that's what we're supposed to own as our own, and then we are certainly more righteous than any righteous person could possibly be. So we pick up in verse 21. And he says that, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder. That's what they heard it was said. That's what God said to Moses, right? Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject uh, to judgment. Again, anyone who says this to his brother Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So let's just take a moment and we'll pray. Um, God, we just ask for your blessing upon this morning, Lord. We thank you for a uh, truly blessed time of worship, Lord. Um, and during those songs, God, we are asking essentially for a greater portion of you in our lives, Lord. Um, and I pray, Lord, that we would have enough courage and strength to be ready for a greater portion of you because who knows in what way and in what shape and in what form that might come, God. It certainly might come through difficulties and trials. It might come through successes. Um, it might be in the most unexpected places, Lord. And I pray that we would be on the lookout for you and what you might be trying to do instead of what might make us comfortable and might make life easier. I pray that we would truly have that heart, Lord. And as we talk about your word this morning and truly the posture of the heart I pray God that we would also have enough boldness to open up our own hearts in an honest way where we would really let you in to some areas that maybe would make us feel uncomfortable and it's not easy and so God I just pray that you would just uh, speak through me in Jesus name Amen so it says that you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. And it was said right through the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. Do not murder. Don't do it. In other words, right, premeditated, thinking about it, carrying out the act of killing someone, that is a bad thing. You cannot do that. In fact, the penalty um, was death. And that's what they taught this whole time. Do not murder, do not murder, do not murder. But of course, the question has to be asked, well, what about the person that does not actually follow through and kill somebody, but they just have this intense hatred towards somebody else, 
and maybe given the perfect opportunity and the perfect scenario, they could eliminate them, would they do it? Right? Would they do it? Because that's really like at the heart of what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Given the perfect opportunity, would I take that? Would I look at that? Would I flirt with so-and-so? Given the perfect opportunity where nobody else would know. That is not an easy question, if you're actually honest. And if that's not an easy question, you can just say, no, you're an incredible person. You are really incredible. Right? That is a difficult, difficult question. Nobody was looking. Nobody knew. What would you do? And I tell you what, um, I see it all the time at school. You know, it's kind of interesting being at school, being with young kids, because it's sort of like um, they're young and naive, and uh, it's almost like a mirror a lot of times of just how the human heart really is, because they don't think about their actions beforehand. You know, they just sort of just react, and that's just kind of what happens, and you see it. And so many times, um, we'll be talking about cheating as a huge topic, huge topic. Um, and many of them are firmly in the position of, listen, if you don't get caught and you can't get in trouble, then it's not bad. It's fine. Everybody else does it. And then they read articles and they see sports teams, um, you know, like the Patriots, you know, not that I'm like saying something against the Patriots now, but they got caught right on the sidelines with the film and they were cheating and, um, and the kids are like, hey, they do it and everybody lies in their resumes and everybody does this stuff and it's only a problem if you get caught. If you don't get caught, what's it hurting? You know, that's the way the world works. And unfortunately, there is some truth to that, right? A lot of times it seems like those people are not getting caught. It does seem that way. Of course, we'll never know the ultimate outcome. Um, but certainly as Christians, and where I'm at, at a Catholic school, where they're still trying to really understand this stuff, and it's really foggy at best, um, to actually think that God or Jesus might be interested in the reason why they might be doing something, sometimes maybe even more important than what they actually do, is completely radical. It's just like, what? I don't understand that. And so that's what Jesus is trying to like get to. He says, do not murder. That's what it said. You can't do the act. Right, the law pro- prohibited the sinful act, not the sinful thought, when it exceeds due bounds. Right? It prohibited the act, but not the thought. And verse 22, here's what Jesus says. Here's what, it, like, it really, here's what it really means. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin for but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So this is pretty interesting. He just kind of like put everything into perspective. Um, so we're saying that murder and being angry are the same thing. Well, that's kind of what it sounds like, but let's get a little bit of clarity. One thing um, is that that word angry there says, but I tell you in verse 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother, right? if you kind of go back, you take a look a little bit at the original language, that word angry, here's like some synonyms that kind of mean the same, you know, also synonyms are, mean the same thing. Enraged, inclined to anger, hot-tempered, furious, just like, ah! You know, and I'm sure you can relate and you can think of a time when. That's the anger we're talking about here. It's like you've gotten past the point where it's kind of an irritant, um, you get kind of bothered, you get kind of annoyed, it's been boiling, it's been festering, you know it's been there. 
that hasn't really been dealt with. In fact, you probably just kind of like push off the side and hope you don't have to deal with it, but it's been building while you haven't noticed. And that's what we're talking about. Because eventually, what happens when it gets as ugly as it gets, sometimes it may result in a murder of somebody. And of course you don't want that. That's bad. And then God is saying, listen, no, it's the other stuff that matters a lot. Because if you take care of it then in the beginning, you kind of head it off at the pass, you might not be at that other place. Here is a great illustration. And it makes me look really stupid. So I'm sure you're really going to enjoy this. Um, and I am personally very ashamed of it. It's, it's, it's bad. It's not good. Um, but I, think, I can think of many times where I've heard pastors, other people giving a message, and it's like their stories and illustrations are really stuck out. Um, and then a lot of times, you know, it's ones where it didn't make them look so hot. Um, so I hope that it's something that can be certainly used as a tool. So I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop. Um, when I was uh, in high school, um, so that automatically gives me a little bit of leeway, I hope. If you've caught the phrase, I was in high school. People are already shaking their heads, no, no, we're going to give it to you. So uh, 16, 17 years old, um, at that point in time, you know, not too bright. I mean, who really is at that age? But, um, you know, my, my world pretty much consumed that I was a Christian. Um, uh, fairly serious, I guess. I would say probably ser- more serious than most, but fairly serious. And uh, my life was just like about sports, really. That's kind of where I fit in. That's where I made a lot of friends. I was pretty good at it. And so that's kind of where my life was. So we fast forward a little bit to like senior year of high school. Um, Basketball is my sport of choice. I did, you know, play soccer, baseball, football, pretty much everything. Uh, but basketball is a sport that I like. And so then we get to, you know, senior year of basketball. I'm totally pumped, super excited, you know. Um, I was hurt my junior year. I um, got hit by a drunk driver, so I couldn't play like half the season. I really stunk. Uh, but this season, you know, I'm ready to go senior year. So I'm like, man, this is exciting. Um, and then even beforehand, uh, good relationship with the coach. It's, I thought, anyways, went really well um, during the preseason. And then uh, season kind of hit. And I noticed that the coach really, I don't know, he, I don't think he did not like me, but I certainly wasn't one of the ones that he really liked. He really liked some other guys, and I wasn't really one of them. And I could really, you know, not understand why. Tried to do the right things, you know, came in early, worked on what I had to work on, try and be in the weight room. I was like, you know, 150 pounds soaking wet. Try and wing in the weight room, try and work on skills, stay late after practice, you know, ask him what I should be working on, just trying to do all the things that I should be doing um, and just really not getting noticed. And so practices would go by, you know, games would go by and just here we go, boiling point time. You know, I'm, I'm getting annoyed now. You know, I'm not really playing too much. Kind of like second guy off the bench and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, what is going on? And then, and then you know, for a 16, 17 year old to approach an adult, let alone a coach, and say, hey, can, you know, what can I do? What can I do to maybe play more? And, um, I was a pretty shy guy, so dude, that was a big step, and it seemed like he could care less, and I was like, so then here it goes, we're rising, you know, we're rising. Um, so then fast forward to like the middle of the season, and it just seems to be going backwards. Honestly, just the worst, you know, so you see this just progression of letting stuff bother me, festering, building. So we get to game Berlin High School, middle of the season, um, I get in the game, I don't know, second quarter or something for about 30 seconds. I make one mistake, yanked. I was on like a really tight leash. I didn't understand it, you know? Get yanked. So I'm sitting down next to the coach, just like 
really bubbling right now, really bubbling. And the uh, kid who went in for me makes a mistake. And he doesn't come out. And it was really like out of the norm for me to kind of like mouth off to somebody in any sort of disrespectful way. And I said, hey, coach, why don't you take him out? He made a mistake. And the coach whipped around, you know, and looked at me. He goes, that's not fair. And I said, really? Now you know how it feels. So I, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. But I, I, and that's just like a whole mix of emotions there because you feel like part of what you're saying is true and you want to be right and get that across. But at the same time, like, you know it's not the right way that you're handling it right now. So then we, um, he make, the kid makes another mistake. Like, literally, like, 10 seconds later. I'm like, coach, why don't you put me in for him? And he goes, listen, I had enough from you. And then here's just where it goes all downhill. I don't think I should tell you. All right, so let's go to verse... Uh... <laughs> it's just bad news. So we're there. You know, the kid messes up. 10 seconds. I rip off my jersey. I kid you not. The gym was full. Berlin High School. It's like a pretty close game. Real with my jersey. I said, you know what? Fine. I quit. And I took my jersey. I tossed it in the stands. And I just walked out. And <clears throat> that was horrible. Total boiling point. So then I get in the hallway and I'm just like a wreck. Just like a wreck. Go down to the locker room, a wreck. My parents come down, you know, come pick me up. You know, they understand the situation. It was just, oh my gosh. Just what? Totally blew it. Totally blew it. You know, I could have done a better job, certainly, 16, 17 years old, as far as handling that, you know, but I didn't. And just, and then at that age, just, you just feel like the whole world caved in when there's like a million other things that are more important. But to you at that time, that's really important. So, then of course, there's school on Monday. And he's also my gym teacher. And I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. This, this sucks. So, then I go to school. And I know I'm going to be facing him in gym class. So the question is, how is the Christian kid, Jared, going to handle it? Because so far, he's done a pretty crappy job in front of everybody in Rocky Hill and Berlin, and they all saw it. So, so then I go up um, to the coach's office and said, listen, I just approached him. I said, listen, um, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, I, I shouldn't have quit like that. Um, I'm sorry that I did. And... Um, and I said, that, I hope you can forgive me. And I shook his hand. And I was like, you know what? That is the right thing to do. That was the right thing to do. That was tough. But wow, what an illustration of how to really screw things up. I think that's pretty good, right? You get the progression of letting things build up, totally explode. And then the question is, do we have enough courage maybe afterwards to go back and handle it? Unfortunately, I had to kind of do myself in pretty early on. Um, but I think that maybe saved me at least a few fights, maybe being in marriage, um, because that's one where you can certainly see it a lot too, being married and having fights, and certainly um, having your own kids and being frustrated and having fights. Um, but I think the question is, um, from that, is can we as Christians like, be angry, and when is it healthy, when is it okay, or is it not? You know, how do we look at some of that stuff? Well, I know the Bible has a couple things to say. Um, Oh, there we go. It says, Mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away in anger. Or, Proverbs 29 says, um, Fools give full vent to their anger, but the wise bring calm in the end. Right? And I think that is some 
excellent knowledge and wisdom. And I wish that maybe, you know, at a younger age, certainly I would have uh, paid attention to that one more, maybe read that the morning of that game. That might have helped me a little bit. Um, but here's the question we're looking at, right? Is anger or temper out of place for God's people? Because I think that's one question we certainly got to ask and take a look at and kind of evaluate. Um, in a short word, I think no. I think it's okay for us to get angry. Uh, the question is, where is it going to go? I think no for two reasons. If you take a look at your Bible, um, it says, Do not murder... Uh, in verse 21, right? And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. If you take a look at brother in your Bible, you see in your Bible there, it's got like a little B next to the word brother there. And if you kind of look at the bottom, it says brother without cause. And in the New King James Version, or King James Version, it already says that there. It says without cause, right? I think that's a little bit of a window of that you know, there could be a cause to get angry at somebody, right? There could be a cause. It could be justified. And so I think anger would certainly be okay. Um, the other verse that certainly helps us, it says in, your, in Ephesians, it says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And so in that verse, it says right there, it starts off, it says, in your anger do not sin. It doesn't say like you're sinning for being angry. It just says while you're angry, try not to sin. Try not to do that. So of course, the question is, well, how do I know if I'm sinning? How do I know if I'm making a mistake while I'm angry? Well, this right here is kind of helpful. This is a quote from Matthew Henry. He's kind of like a, a Bible guy who's kind of a commentator. He says, when it exceeds due bounds, when we are hardy, and headstrong in our anger, violent and vehement, outrageous and mischievous, and when we seek the hurt of those we are displeased at. I think that's probably a pretty good parameter as far as when things are starting to get out of hand. And only we can really be good, pretty good judges as far as what's going on inside of us and where that is going. And I think at some point in time we're certainly all guilty of this, right? So I guess what Jesus meant was that since murder and anger are the same thing, we should just kill everybody. That makes us mad. Right? Makes sense because they're the same thing, right? There's no way out. No, I don't think he meant that. Not at all. Um, so the question is, what do we do with the temper and what do we do with anger? Right? So what do we do with that? How do you handle it? How do you really evaluate it? Well, here's the first thing that I wrote down is not to repress it. And I think that, let me take a look in your bulletin here. How should we try and handle it? This is one of the first ones there on that number one. How should we try and handle it? Don't repress it. Treat it as a sin, confess it, and try and do it quickly. That's what's in the passage right there. Verse 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversaries taking you to court. Do it while you're still with them or on the way. It says in verse 23, if you're offering a gift, if you're at church and you're about to sing or you're about to put some money in the box or you're about to listen, in fact, it's better 
to just go make amends. If somebody is there right there, right now with you, go try and make amends right away. And I was reading a um, book from a pastor this past week of uh, kind of his take on the passive. And he's like, you know, there's been several times in church where I've had to like kind of get, get down off the pulpit, go to somebody, apologize for him, you know, and then I can come back and kind of go through it and handle this. Because it's serious business and you want to try and do it as soon as possible. Because the longer you delay, there's a fatter chance of that thing really happening at all. And in this day and age, we've been blessed with so much technology, you can apologize in so many ways, right? You could do it with a card, you could do it via Facebook message, uh, you could do it via email, you could text them. Of course, there's nothing better than face-to-face, though, right? Nothing better than face-to-face. So treat it as a sin, confess it, and try and do it quickly. Um, One book I read is that uh, some lady just used it as an excuse. Well, you know what? My mom was always angry. My dad was always angry. So I'm always going to be angry. Right? Maybe partially. It just might be a little bit more difficult um, for you. There is a, a friend of mine that I work with who is a deacon in the Catholic Church. And a uh, really nice guy. Um, older gentleman. Um, knows his Bible pretty well. Knows Old Testament history pretty good. Um, and he said that he was going to go be teaching um, at a church. Actually, on this passage, like a couple of weeks ago. I said, oh, really? I said, we're going to be doing that at church pretty soon, too. Um, and I asked, and uh, he said, you know, that's a really difficult passage. I said, yeah, it is. So what are you going to say? Um, he's like, honestly, I don't really know. And uh, I said, you know, it would have been a lot easier if Jesus uh, didn't say the whole thing about getting angry in your heart. Like, that just made, that complicated things a lot. And uh, he's like, you know what, it really did. Um, and uh, I said, you know, the fact that he said that, you know, if you get angry at somebody, um, you know, and you don't deal with that like you're sinning, uh, he said that we're in danger of hell. And he goes, well, I know some certain people around here that will be guilty of that already. And I felt like saying, I really engaged him. I was in the copy room. I was in between classes. It really wasn't really time to talk. But I felt like saying, yes, you got it. Exactly. Like, we are all guilty. Like, that's the whole point. Nobody's exceptional from this. We are guilty. We do get mad like that in that way. And yes, if we look at it the way Jesus talked about it, we're guilty. We're all in the same boat. And so that's why we need a pure sacrifice, someone who's never done it, somebody who was perfect. Right? That's like, like he got it. He saw it. Like, yes, that's the whole point. That's why it points to this guy, Jesus Christ, who came to fulfill the law. Don't think that, like, you know, anybody is better than anybody else. Whoever is singing up here on a Sunday morning, whoever is talking up here right now, give me a break. You heard my, part of my story. Downstairs with the kids. I mean, whoever it is, doesn't matter. All guilty of it. All deserving hell. Right? Because his good is not necessarily our good at all. Yes, the law said, don't do this thing, don't do that thing, don't do that thing. So you get caught up in that doing those things. But on the inside, were you like way beyond those things, even though you didn't carry them out? Right? That is like, that's the part that matters. That's the one that God looks at. And that's why like our private time with God in the prayer closet, nobody else is around, and pouring those things out to him that are actually in there that we know. Oh my gosh, I can't stand that person. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to say anything to them. Um, oh man, my children are frustrating me so much. I just want to blow up at them. Um, my wife knew I trusted and confided in her. Or she trusted and confided about me about something. And you want to get mad, bitter resentment and just stick it into them, right? But no. 
that's not it, that's not it. And it says that God will certainly give us the strength to do it. This is truly, truly a supernatural life. I mean, we hear about, you know, in the Bible, you hear about the healings and people's arms, people standing up straight and then they can see. But to honestly, like, have the inside of you transformed in the way that we're talking about this morning, it's truly miraculous. And nobody has access to that except for God. And it's up to us if we let him in there to do it. So, right before we close, um, I wanted to just think about one thing. Um, certainly, is there someone you have offended by word or deed? Go and tell them sorry right away, even if it's not totally your fault. Maybe if you're, you know, 10% at fault or 90%, go handle it, say you're sorry, and maybe it's for time 1,000. You have to do that in faith and trust God in faith with that. That he'll make up that other, what did I say, 1,000? That other 1,000, right? So you've got to trust that he'll make up the rest of that, that huge difference. Because you will. You have to do it in faith. So as we close, here's a couple of things. One, Jesus cares about the heart above all else. It's the most important to him. Anger has its appropriate place and can be a powerful tool like we read, but must be handled appropriately. It's certainly okay for Christians to get angry like Jesus did. Remember when he was in the temple? Right? He made that thing of whips and he was whipping around people. And, and that comes up at work sometimes too. And they're like, well, he didn't actually hit anybody with the whip. And so, like, that's why he didn't sin. I'm like, oh my, are you kidding me? We're going to look to see if he actually hit somebody with it. Like, the point Jesus was talking about was inside his heart. That's what we care about. Like, did Jesus on the inside of his heart get so mad? That's what drove him to do. And did he sin in doing that? That's what matters. So they, they still have a hard time with that. It's tough for the Catholic mindset. They're, like, locked into this weird place. So the key is cutting it off before it becomes sinful and we can do it by confessing it. By approaching people the right way. By not doing these things, we are not walking in the light, shining as Christians, but we become prisoners to our own emotions. Right? And I was super convicted when I typed up that sentence. Right? By not doing these things, we are not walking in the light, shining as Christians, but we become prisoners to our own emotions. When those emotions come up and we're anxious, frustrated, angry, you could be a prisoner to that and not be able to handle that. And it's just all you see right in front of you and there's just no way out of it. I'm just overcome by it. There's just nothing else I can do. God doesn't want us to be prisoners with that at all. That's not the life of a Christian. Called to be set free. And let me also say before I give you our last quote and then we're going to come up and sing one more song. Um, If you're on the other end, if you're on the other end of someone, kind of blowing up and making a mistake and let's say that person now comes to you to apologize and it was really tough Uh, maybe their apology isn't even exactly perfect and um, maybe it wasn't even that great now you have a choice to sort of be easy on them or to like really stick their nose in it and like rub them through it I hope that I hope that we can do it in love and ask for God's help to make it easy for him to apologize and make it be a safe place. So here's our last quote to think about right at the end here. Stole it from Warren Wearsby. Um, it says, it has 
well been said that the person who refuses to forgive his brother destroys the very bridge over which he himself must walk. Thought paints a nice picture. You know, you don't do it, that bridge I need to get there, you've already destroyed that thing. So uh, Jimmy and Patrick are going to lead us in uh, some song, and I'll encourage you during that song. Um, it's the one that they closed up with. Try, try, really try your hardest to let God in on that inside of your heart, the place where it really matters, and maybe even ask God who you might have sinned against, what you might have done, or if maybe you're feeling pretty good right now, um, this anger stuff is not too far down the road, and so you certainly want to ask for good preparation and readiness for when it might come up. So I'd be thinking about those kind of things as we sing and then we'll pray together I can't.
Go downstairs, um, but if not, go downstairs, have some food, and have a great week. <laughs>